Welcome to The Big Cheese Show, your destination for fantasy sports domination. Now, here's your host, Chris The Big Cheese Cheon. Welcome, everybody, to The Big Cheese Show, a WTOP fantasy sports experience. We talk betting as well, and this week we are focusing on the Week 6 DraftKings slate because I've got one of the best players in DFS joining me this week. A lot of you know him as JSU Rab, John Sarabian joining me. He's part of the Roto Grinders Network along with me as well. John and I got to hang out quite a bit in Nashville. That was a good time. John, how you doing this morning? Good, man. Uh, it's great to be here. Glad to be on the show. And uh, I'm ready to talk uh, some fantasy football. I'm ready to talk about DraftKings Week 6 football with you. It's going to be going to be fun. Absolutely, brother. And I'm um, interested to hear kind of your build and strategy when we're done talking about some of the individual players here. Let's get it started at the quarterback position, John. And a guy that I have locked in and my first builds Jared Goff. And the reason being is this guy is a different player at home than him. When he's on the road, I think a lot of people may be scared off, but being the fact that he's going up against San Francisco. But to me, Goff is somebody that you can get at some low ownership. You think, Goff, we could catch some low ownership this week? Here's my thing with that is I actually don't see him as a guy who will be lower owned just because of the way DraftKings priced his weapons. With Todd Gurley out, I think it's going to be more emphasized. They're already kind of – you see it in their play calling. They're getting away from the run a lot. I think that that definitely has to do with uh, Gurley's injuries. They're lowering his volume a little bit. That's going to obviously make them pass more. Their pace stats are are up, though. So that's going to bring people to golf, I think, this week. And then, like I talked about, the receiving weapons that he has. I mean, you have – Two out of the three uh, top receiving weapons in Cooks and Woods down here at 56 for Robert Woods and 5,400 for Brandon Cooks. Um, that is just really cheap for a team who may be without Todd Gurley. You don't, you don't know that, but like, even if they aren't, like, I, I see this, this game as actually a potential shootout. And I think that's why uh, one of the reasons why you might like the off is you might see this game as uh, maybe a shootout as well. But it's just going to bring people to golf because it's going to be so easy to stack this game up. You know, Cup is obviously very expensive on DraftKings, 7,100 compared to the other two guys. But like I said, you could take one of those cheaper guys and pair them with Cup if you wanted that stack. So it's just very easy to make. So I, I don't see him as someone who's going to be lower owned. But I also don't care about taking a quarterback who's higher on that's probably the one position where even in tournaments I don't care about the ownership because there's so many quarterbacks out there and even if you're getting them at 20 percent that's not that big of a deal for quarterbacks I more care about ownership in tournaments when it's uh running backs wide receivers tight ends it, it makes uh it, it, it that's where I, I I change my uh mind a little bit on does ownership sway me off of a guy Sure, sure. I get that. Absolutely. You want to differentiate when everybody's going to Zeke Elliott like last week, maybe look to a guy like Dalvin Cook. Um, when you're talking about pass catchers for the Rams, you mentioned the wide receivers, but Gerald Everett can be somebody that can help your lineups and get some more of those studs in. My problem with Gerald Everett is this. A, you still have got Higby there who can catch some balls. B, there's the wide receivers. 
C, San Francisco's got a linebacking core that are all like kind of sub 230 and can be, you know, good good in the uh, passing game when it comes to covering the tight ends. Do you look at the tight ends for the Rams at all as sort of tournament flyers? Well, I, th- I think, you know, Gerald Everett is someone who you can absolutely look to at, at 3,600 because he's cheap in tournaments. But I also agree with you that it's not the best matchup for him. You've just seen him pop off in the last two games where he got eight targets and 11 targets, and he did produce um, for 15 and 23 DK points the last two weeks. So that might bring some people onto him. Um I'm kind of on the side where I think I would stay away from him this week. I feel like um, the defense is a defense that does have success with tight ends. They give up the least amount of yardage. I'm pretty sure to tight ends. Um, So it's just not the best spot, but I will say the Rams are playing a lot more two tight end sets, which means Everett's on the field a little more, you know, because him and Higby, they, they play last year. They were pretty much exclusively, Uh, three wide receiver, one tight end set, which is called 11 personnel. And this year um, I was reading a tweet from Warren Sharp who said that uh, they've gone away from that a little bit and they're starting to play more 12 personnel, which is two tight end sets. Now that means that there's only two wide receivers on the field and two tight ends, which boosts Everett from like a snap standpoint and he might get a little more usage. But I just kind of worry about the San Fran D when we're talking about um, the tight end situation. I think they're very stout there. I think their linebacking core is good. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like it's a spot where I might just stay away and look to those cheaper wide receivers if I want to uh, get some guys from that game. Good point about San Francisco allowing the least amount of yards to the tight end position. 87 only through four games. Um, in comparison, you've got Carolina through five who's allowed 140. That is the uh, second least, but that just goes to show you absolutely they are built to kind of be stoppers there. If we're going to be looking at uh, the Rams, it sounds like the wide receivers are more the way to go. And I've been burned on uh, – You know, we can jump into strategy here right quick, John. I've been burned on in the past – punting tight end whether it's been like last year with like stupid Hayden Hurst calls or something like that I don't know um I just this these days I want to play Kittle in this match of this week I want to play guys like Zach Ertz even though he's against Minnesota Travis Kelsey if I'm you know obviously what's your take on tight end as a whole do you normally punt or is it kind of a different week different scenario type situation well, I mean, the week does vary it a little bit, but I think nowadays where you're seeing these elite tight ends are like really wide receivers. I mean, with the way they catch the ball and the way they can run, um, some of these guys are just mismatches. And I'm talking about mainly the guys at the top, you know, you got Kelsey and Ertz and Kittle. Um, I'm talking more about those guys at the very top, but some of those guys aren't really priced up enough where uh, like I see them as major values. I mean, George Kittle, 5,200. I mean, he's the top receiving option for San Francisco. So, I mean, right there, I'm going to have a a lot of interest in him. I, I, I like my, when I come to tight ends, I, I really am with you in the fact that I don't like to punt just because it's, it's one of those positions where like, I feel like you need those locked in secure, like points it's it's kind of really important i feel like and so like a 
a tight end with a good floor and a ceiling, you know, you got guys like Kittle and Ertz who see their fair share of targets, Kelsey. I, I like rostering those guys, especially when I see price decreases, um, maybe from just bad games or uh, like Kittle. Uh, he had, I think it was the week one, he had two touchdowns taken away and, you know, um, from penalties. And that caused him to just kind of people are, uh, were going away from him. And then we saw last week, you know, he had a good game finally and he, he got in the box. And now I, I feel like he's going to be very popular this week because of it. But we got Zach Ertz right next to him, who I think is a great tournament play at 5,400. I think Minnesota is going to be able to score on this Philly secondary. I think this could be a sneaky back and forth game. And I love Ertz from a target standpoint, um, especially because really Minnesota, you don't really want to mess with their outside uh, corners. The way to get to them is kind of in the middle. And I think like the tight end, Zach Ertz lining up, you know, on the line and inside in the slot area, I think that's where they're going to want to attack this Minnesota defense. That's a great point. Minnesota is in the top 10 as far as yards allowed to the tight end position. And I think people in general will get scared off of Ertz being the fact that it is in Minnesota and just as a whole, their defensive unit is very strong. But to the tight end position, that's where we can kind of separate a little bit. Absolutely. All right. I'm here in Washington, D.C., and I got to ask about these running backs for the Redskins if you were going to roster either Adrian Peterson or Chris Thompson, you can get the $500 discount with Adrian Peterson. Which one would you play? Or is the answer neither? Oh, man. All right. So, I, you know, I do read into, you know, coach talk a little bit. And, you know, Callahan said, uh, you know, he wants to emphasize running the football. Now, to me, I take this as obviously game skip script could throw this out the window, but they are playing Miami. So we might see this as a game where Washington could be ahead. They could, you know, it, it could be close though, because these two teams are both bad, but pretty much equally bad, I would say. So I could see the Redskins being up in this game. And if they're up or if this game's close, I think it's more of an AP game. I think they do emphasize running the ball as long as this game stays close I think AP could see anywhere from 15 to 20 touches because that's what it kind of seemed like they want to do. Chris Thompson is very much a scat back. He's kind of just like a third down pass catching back. I don't see them give giving him more than like four or five carries. So I think if they're trying to establish the run and they maybe have a chance in being up in this game, then I, I feel like that means that AP is the guy that they're going to give the rock to. So, yes, he is touchdown dependent, but you can absolutely run on this Miami team. They're one of the worst teams against the run. And uh, I think if this, if there was any game to take Adrian Peterson, it would be this week in this game with this matchup against Miami. You lock it in Michael Thomas against the Jacksonville Jaguars as he kind of has been somebody who goes with Teddy Bridgewater's game, right? The short intermediary passes. This guy's getting the looks. He's doing everything. Um, at 7,800, he comes in only cheaper than Julio Jones. But to me, I'd rather play Michael Thomas and save the 200 bucks. What say you? Or, or there's DeAndre. We could mix in DeAndre Hopkins because there's been a lot of talk about him as well here. He's somebody that I almost feel like, I, I don't know. I, I I don't know the mindset of all DFS players, but Will Fuller exploded, right? 
So is everybody going to essentially say, oh, everybody's going to go to Wolf Fuller, so let me go to DeAndre Hopkins. And I think DeAndre Hopkins' ownership is going to be pretty high this week. So if we're looking at like the three elite wide receivers here, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, which of those three would you be locking into your lineups? Yes. So I do feel like it's one of those weeks where everyone's, I mean, everyone's seen DeAndre Hopkins has struggled, you know, to get it going really um, this season, but he's still getting the looks. I mean, he hasn't had uh, under seven targets in a game. So, I mean, like he is getting the opportunity. It's just, maybe it's a little more spread out with the weapons. They've Kenny Stills, Kiki Kute, Will Fuller. Um, But I do feel like everyone's going D hop. I, I think he's going to be the highest owned receiver for the week. And he, he kind of should be we're, we're starting to see the trend of DFS kind of change where if a guy had a couple down weeks, maybe this was like a year or two ago, that guy would be significantly lower owned the next week after a few bad weeks in a row, especially when people have been getting burned by him. But now in, in DFS, it's kind of changed a little. We saw Will Fuller. He was one of the highest known receivers last week. And that was after putting up stinkers, crushing people's lineups the last few weeks. So I, I, it's, it's kind of funny how this is the trend is kind of shifted where like you could find ownership based on a few bad games from guys. But now that's a little different because there's more stats out there, I think. And people are getting more analytical, looking more into the stats, deeper into the stats. But for me, I, I feel like D-Hop is by far in the best spot. Um, I would like him the most. Michael Thomas is a guy who I think I'm fading this week. I don't like him really against Jacksonville. It's more of they're, they're probably going to get Ramsey back, which is going to bolster that defense. It, that's a huge help. They are at home too. So I, I expect them to kind of key in on Thomas and uh, force Teddy Bridgewater to go somewhere else with the football. Um so I, I, that, that's what I expect. Um, so I would probably say it'd be D-Hop and Julio, one, two, and then Thomas, three. And I'm going to throw Cup up there. Like, I would probably roster Cup over Michael Thomas. I think Cup is one of the best plays on the day. Um, and I don't know. I feel like people might not go there just because they have these other two wide receivers that are much cheaper for the Rams. Yeah, he's expensive, no doubt about it. But is who is – uh, Jared Goff looking at on third down, Cooper Cup. That's just somebody that I want in my lineups. I have him in my first build as well, and I'm going to have to reconsider Michael Thomas in there. But a guy that I have in because, quite frankly, I just think that I'm, I'm trying to catch him on one of these weeks, and maybe it's stupidity on my part, but Steph Diggs, I, I've got in. I mean, you have him at 5,900 in a matchup against Philadelphia where they are have shown vulnerabilities in their secondary They've suffered a lot of injuries there. If it's ever going to happen for Diggs, I feel like it's at home against Philly, and I still think you can get him at the nice ownership. This is a team that still chooses to run the ball a lot, so again, I'm not playing Diggs in cash. What say you on Steph? You know, for tournaments, I love it. And I I will say this, we've seen this team. Now, they've played against, uh, obviously, the Jets, and they didn't have a quarterback to, to really throw the ball. There were open receivers in that game, but he just couldn't get them the ball. So obviously receivers didn't have big time games against uh, this Eagles secondary, but they absolutely could have, if uh, you know, Falk could have gotten the ball, but in against uh, green Bay, we saw De- uh, Vontae Adams just eat them up, uh, absolutely destroy them. Obviously he goes out with an injury late in the game, but 
just just had an awesome game against Philadelphia secondary. And then we saw Atlanta and uh, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones both put up great fantasy games that week uh, against Philly. I think this is a spot where absolutely you could stack both wide receivers, Diggs and Thielen, uh, with Cousins. I think all three of them could have a, a good week. I think that's one of my favorite uh, three-man stacks. Philadelphia is a, a great team at stopping the run. They're very stout up front. Um, so you could absolutely see where Dalvin cook might struggle a little bit. Now this run game is, is really good though. This offensive line, the scheme is really good. So they still could have success, but Philadelphia does do a really good job of stopping the run. What they don't do a good job of is that back end, that secondary, they struggle covering, uh, you know, down the field. And I think these receivers both could have great games, stealing kind of underneath getting those short, quick routes, uh, easy catches, you know, on a PPR site like DraftKings, he'll work. And then Diggs over the top, man. I, I see Cousins having a big game. I like both those guys. So funny you mentioned that. Yeah, to your point, Philadelphia, nobody has allowed less rushing yards to the running back than Philadelphia, 238 through five games. So certainly impressive there. Um, uh, let me ask you, there are two running backs who saw four targets in the passing game last week, and I want to ask you which one you would rather have in your lineup. First is Damian Williams. He saw four targets, catching three of them, 23 yards rushing. He is at 5,700 against Houston. Or this next name, John, which I definitely think will get low ownership. I don't know if you would go here. Chase Edmonds. Caught four, uh, three of those four targets in the passing game. He also rushed eight times for 68 yards and scored a touchdown. Which of these guys would you rather have? Damian Williams at 5,700 or Chase Edmonds at 4,600 if you're trying to get some more studs in? Now, are we under the assumption that David Johnson is going to play this week? We are under the assumption because... that David Johnson is going to play this week. Okay, so if we're under that assumption, I would probably lean – to uh, Damian Williams. Now, people who didn't watch that that last Kansas City Chiefs game, I mean, he dropped a surefire touchdown where Pat Mahomes, this was in the very beginning of the game, just put it right on him, hit his hands, and he just dropped it. Um, they did kind of go away from the run game a little bit, but, like, I think they're going to use him a lot in the passing game. Uh, Tyree Kill, you know, he's still up in the air. Does he play? Does he play a full amount of snaps coming back from that injury? Uh, I don't really know. But, um, you know, if, if Sammy Watkins is out, if, if Hill's limited, I think that means those backs could have more of a role. I think Damian Williams could see a bump in the passing game, especially if Watkins is out and if Hill's limited. Um, so, or if Hill's out, you know, so, I mean, I would probably lean Damian Williams. Obviously, if David Johnson were to be out, then Chase Edmonds becomes an amazing play, but Damian Williams for me, if, if that's not the case. Yeah, and just an update on David Johnson. He did not practice on Thursday. It is Friday morning now where John and I are recording here, so we'll keep you posted and let you know. But, yeah, absolutely um, a great spot for Chase Edmonds if, in fact, David Johnson does not play. All right, John, last one for you. Defense. I have Minnesota locked in, you know, and, we, and we've been talking kind of glowingly about – um, Carson Wentz and I think Miles Sanders could be like a nice tournament dart throw. Nobody will be on him. I think you'd get more Jordan Howard just because of the touchdowns. But um, I have Minnesota at home as my defense, 2,600. What do you think about that? 
Um, I don't mind that. I so I, I already we kind of talked about this game a little bit. I think this game could be a little more back and forth. Um, but the Minnesota defense is good. They're at home. Uh, personally, I, I think that this week, I think you could play a few defenses right around there. I think the Titans are pretty good. I kind of like as a kind of dart throw. I do like the Jets defense all the way down. They're they're the cheapest defense on DraftKings, one thousand five hundred um, on DK, and I just think it's a good spot at home. They're getting their quarterback back. That means they'll probably have uh, longer sustained drives, which will keep the defense off, which will keep the defense fresh. Um, CJ Mosley, we still don't know if he's for sure going to be back. I would love if he was back because he is just a huge piece in that defense. We saw it before he went out uh, week one. He had a huge, uh, you know, impact on that game. And then they ended up losing once he kind of went out. Um, But uh, hopefully he comes back. Even if he doesn't, though, this defense is cheap. They're not as bad as people uh, like think they are. They, They gave up two defensive touchdowns to Philly last week in that game. But, you know, other than that, I mean, I think they gave up, what was it, 32 points? So they only gave up 16 offensive points. You know, I mean, that's not bad, right? Like for mm-hmm. a defense that we're getting at, you know, 1,500, like, I, I don't know, sign me up for that. They've, they've hit for double-digit fantasy points in two out of their four games. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, last one for you, John. And I, I said last one before, but for the listeners out there who – aren't regular players of DFS, right? They like to set the occasional lineup on DraftKings and whatnot. The first thing that essentially you are doing with your builds, like are you pairing a quarterback and a wide receiver? Are you getting the stud running back in? Are you searching for those guys that the public's not going to be on? What's your first step when building a tournament lineup? Yeah. So, I mean, I think everyone pretty much pairs a quarterback with a wide receiver. I think that's starting to become the norm. People are starting to understand that correlation there, those two positions. Um, So yeah, that's definitely something that I do, but everyone does that. I think one thing that, you know, people don't do because they're a little afraid of is fading good, fading good plays because of ownership. And when you get in tournaments where, there, there's just so many entries and you're playing against guys with 150 lineups. People are, are just still terrified to fade good plays. And I'm, and I'm not saying that like you're, you're supposed to fade everyone that's highly owned, but here's the thing. It, there are good plays for a reason. Everyone knows these guys are good plays like C-Mac last week. Everyone knew that he was a great play. The only reason why you fade a guy like that is really because of ownership because maybe you think there's a way in which he doesn't absolutely smash. Now this obviously didn't happen for C-Mac. So obviously people who played him were happy and the people who faded him didn't do well, but I'm just saying you have to take stands like that. And people are terrified to take stands. So what I like to do is I like to go in and see who the, who the public really likes. I go look at our roto grinders, our projected ownership. I go see who the top plays are at each position and I like to take stands and I, you know, I'll take hardcore stands where I'll make 10 tournament lineups. I don't play 150 lineups, but I'll make 10 tournament lineups and I'll fade a guy who's 35% owned, who's a good play just because of ownership. And because if there's a way where he busts, if this is football, 
They could bust. They could get injured. You, you know, he, they could get vultured at the goal line if they're running backs. You, you never know what can happen. So I, I think that's the most important thing. And just people don't do that. They're, they're going to play. They're going to have one lineup and they're going to play the guys that are 35% owned because they're great plays. And if those guys go off, that's great but your lineup is going to be very similar to a lot of the guys who made 150 and have, you know, four similar lineups to you. So who's probably going to win in those top heavy tournaments? Probably not you. So that, that's my point is you want the chalk to bust. You want the, you want to take lower owned guys, fade a few of the, the good plays that are chalky and hope they bust. And if you do that, your one lineup has a chance to take down a big tournament. And people just, they still don't get it. They, they still refuse to fade those guys. And, and that's why the same people win every week. I'm one of them. I, I can't even, uh, that's why I needed to hear that, Jesse, because I don't like to uh, start fading guys that I know are in absolute great spots. But like you, you say that and Ezekiel Elliott to me was, was that guy last week. Uh, like, mm. I know that he was in a great spot and whatnot, and he was going to get the football, but I knew everybody was going to be on him, and how great would it have been to have just faded him, and I would have been in a better position to cash. Unfortunately, I was not. Um, so that's why I wanted to have this conversation this week, JSU, because I think there's plenty of people out there like me. All right, man, well, thank you so much for joining the Big Cheese Show here today, John. This was a great conversation. I learned so much. I'm sure all my listeners out there did as well. You're one of the greatest in the sport itself, and I'll see you in Nashville a couple weeks, in a couple months, brother. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on. Guys, check out uh, Roto Grinders. Um, you know, I do a Tournament Takes pod every week with a couple of my buddies, uh, Chris Kirkwood and Brett Hartfield, uh, but check that out. I'm also on Crunch Time on Sundays, uh, 12.30, uh, right before lineup block, all the way up through lineup block uh, till one. So check it out. If you're not an RG Premium member, go check it out. Thanks for joining us today on The Big Cheese Show. Music in this episode is by Eveningland. It's called Rev. It's available in the YouTube audio library. Let's dominate.